Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Today, we're sitting down and talking with Dave Taylor. Dave is a friend of mine and Tommy's. Uh, I remember Dave from back in the uh, local hobby shop days when I first started with my RC cars. Back in the cars. Well, such a loser. You've done cars. I know. I'm a loser, too. True. Uh, that would have been like the late 90s, I think. Mm-hmm. Probably close to my high school times. <laughs> um, anyway, he's been flying RC airplanes for about 35 years and has built over 100 airplanes. Um, he actually has more planes ready to go now than Tommy and I combined. combined. Yeah. Um, so this should be a good conversation. Um, well, yeah. Even though Tommy is like the nitro guy, Dave is the guy that Tommy goes to when he has questions. Absolutely so, true. You guys have been friends for a long time. Yeah. How how did that all happen? Uh, I think it started back in the uh, car days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah Making I fun think, of me for that. Yeah, well, you know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I started the, the racing thing in like 90, what, five or so. I guess it was before that, really, because we were we were playing with cars out at uh, the old uh, track at... Uh, the Hobby House. Yeah. I've... Don't know why I can never remember that, but yeah. Uh, so that would have been probably mid to early '90s, even. I started uh, racing cars in '85. Okay, so I didn't start quite that early with the cars. I think I was '92 when I first got my my first race car. But yeah, anyway, Dave and I uh, started, you know, you know, became acquaintances, racing buddies, and then it, that transitioned to airplanes. And yeah, I mean, that's it. Doesn't seem like it's been that long ago, but yeah, that when you when you when you write it down and you look at it on paper, 1992, that was a long time ago. Yeah, I was 11. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I... funny story, Dave and I are about the same age. Yeah. We're so old. now there's two of us, Ron. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Yeah, make fun of our age now, buddy. Well, no. I'm, <laughs> I'll be respectful to Dave. Um, <laughs> so you guys actually used to work at hobby shops from what Tom told me. Yep. But competing hobby shops. Right. Yep. You know, to me, yeah. So to me, even though the two shops were competing, I didn't have any like skin in the game and Dave didn't have any skin in the game either. So we were always, I thought friends. Um, and I would always send people to the shop that you worked at if we, if I couldn't help them or if we didn't have something they needed Same. and vice versa. So it was like, even though they were competing hobby shops, now you got to realize this is back in a time, this is before the internet, right? So if you wanted to buy RC stuff, you had two options. You could either go to a hobby shop or you could mail or call in and order to <laughs> one of these, you know, these uh, mail order uh, places. So, um, yeah, there was always a very amicable yeah, between... Yeah, race on what, Wednesday nights? Yeah, Wednesday nights uh, or McKay's. Remember McKay's? We used to race there too. Um, but yeah, we'd, we'd race on Wednesday nights and we'd each send customers to the get, like, butt kicked. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that, but... Uh, but yeah, that's that. Yeah, we. I mean, even though it's, it's a funny story because the two the the two owners of those two shops just absolutely could not bear to even think about the other. They really? they were just they were not friends at all. But the the people that worked for them were 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 obviously friends. <laughs> Friendly, yeah. Yeah. I just find it funny that this town used to support two hobby shops. Uh, at one time, we had three. At one yeah. time, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And now we have zero, and we and have now to we drive have none, and we have to drive two, two hours, hours to go north to, a to get shop. to a decent one. Yeah, yeah. that's so. I have to buy substandard glue at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> oh, don't get Ron started on the Hobby Lobby glue. Yeah, you've heard that episode, I hope. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, 
Yeah. I'm not going to do that again. No. no. So yeah, it's a minimum of a hundred mile drive to get decent glue. Yeah. yeah that's which, true. Yeah. That's so sad. It is sad. But back in the day, I mean, we had up to three hobby shops where you could go and get quality stuff. But Locally. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Yep. So Dave, let's talk about you, not hobby shops and stuff. Uh, how did you get started in the hobby? Uh, well, it started with the uh, cars, like we talked about. Um, I've always loved airplanes. Airplanes have always been a love of mine. Uh, and then uh, I graduated high school and got a little money and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> bought my first airplane. Do you remember so, what? Yeah. So, what was the impetus for that? Like, did you did you see them at the local club, or did you have somebody? My grandparents lived uh, well within hearing distance of mm-hmm. the uh, old club field uh, on Hazeldale. Oh, over there by nights. Yes. Yep. Okay. What and field? so I could sit on their front porch and hear the airplanes. Yeah. And of so, course, they drug us out there every now and then to see them. That's right. Nice. So there used to be a field, Ron, uh-huh. uh, right across from Knights Action Park on the other side of 72 there. Really? Uh, it's it's vacant, pretty much a vacant Farm green, green space now. Uh, but there used to be a field there. And I forget which which club that was. I don't... Uh, Springfield Sunday Flyers. Sunday Flyers. There you go. So, um, yeah, I remember that club because as I got started in the airplanes... Uh, the you know the story that that I told that got me in the hobby my neighbor that's where you know we would take our weekend trips or whatever we'd come up to the Sunday Flyers Club there by Knights Action Park and that's where we did a lot of our flying. So this town had two clubs too then at, at the one, same time or was at, that not at, at the one same? time they had three clubs because we had oh Sunday God. Flyers we had the Knights of the Air and then we had the whatever Sangamon that Valley. club yeah the Sangamon Valley yeah we had three and that's the only one that is still with it because that's the one we're members yeah, of now that's yes. true. Yep. Wow. Yeah, and that's something. That's. Yeah. I didn't realize there were three. Yeah. Like I knew about the second one because you've told me about it, but. Yeah, Springfield back in the day was really, I don't want to say Mecca, you know, that might be overstating it, but that, but it was a really large um, RC scene, more than likely because of our proximity to, you know, Tower and Great Plains and Hobbyco and all those folks in Champaign. But yeah, um, yeah the, at one time this place was uh, was booming with with rc stuff so so you had to so you were able to hear from your front or from grandma's front porch the, yep. the airplane so that's what uh, that's what did it for you the sound well that and just the normal love of airplanes yeah yeah that's awesome mm-hmm. for me it was kind of the sound too you know listen that also to tells it. you how loud the old airplanes oh were. yeah <laughs> yeah there were no decibel uh you know you never had to stay under a decibel limit back then well that's yeah, that's quite a distance from where you're talking about to where the actual field was. Yeah. Yeah, I was about uh, probably a mile and a half, two miles. Yeah. Yeah. Sound travels, I guess, but wow. That's crazy. So what was your first airplane? First airplane that I purchased was a uh, Goldberg Anniversary Edition Cub. Ah, started with a Cub. With a, C, uh, with a OS 91 four-stroke. <laughs> wow, you, you jumped right into the four-strokes yeah. then. Yep. Right in And the- my instructor promptly threw it. Flew it through a tree for me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it shot through That's the tree, shot across funny. Hazeldale, and was heading for 72. Fuselage only. It left the tail and the wings in the tree. Oh, sweet. So it was like a missile. <laughs> yes. And awesome. the 91 four-stroke was pulling it. Oh, sure it was. Yeah. Well, yeah, it didn't have the weight of the wing and the and the empennage to, to hold it back. Uh, luckily, it hit the catch fence before it got okay. to the highway. That's good. I still have one of those, by the way, in, in the box. A Goldberg uh, Cub kit. Not a broken one? It's not broken. No, the, well, it's not built. So, 
So what what size would that be? If it's a ninety one, that'd be a pretty good size. So those what seventy right? forty to sixty size? Yeah, they were they were designed to be a forty to sixty size okay. two stroke. Yeah, um, right, a ninety one would you know the equivalent. Uh, Way roughly. too much horsepower. It was too much. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but we're talking like a seventy eight inch wing, I believe. Yeah, something it was. Like that. It was a good size for the time. Fifth, sixth scale. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of. Uh, well, I won't, won't say one of the first, but I believe that was a very early kit that uh, had what we call now tab lock type construction. I had never built anything previously. Yeah. And uh, it was flyable, obviously. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so you, you built your first one then? Yes. That's awesome. See, I got into it when it was the, the foamy Super Cub that mm-hmm. was ready to go and you just didn't have to worry about building. Like that would be so much more stressful, I think, than what I had to deal with because I was out money, not time, if anything happened to it. Yeah. Yeah, we were out money and time. So did you have somebody that taught you to fly? Uh, a guy named Mark Edwards. Uh, I had met racing cars, of all things. Yeah. <laughs> so this is all thanks to cars, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I started sure. in cars too, so it's a lot less expensive to get into cars, but just not as fun. Yeah, I mean, it depends on, on how bad you get into cars, I guess, but well, I, I guess mean, I'm the only one that, that started with airplanes. And I mean, as a, a start to learning how... Like, it's hard to pick up on when the plane or car is coming at you, everything is backwards. And I think that's easier to pick up on a car than on an airplane because there's a lot less that can go wrong when you're, you know, driving a car. So you yeah. also just stop. Yeah, true. Yeah. You can't do that that's on a plane. A good, that's a good point. So I yeah. think once you get used to it with that, it's it's a likely next step because cars take you to planes. At least they did for me. So how long did it take you to learn? Uh, it was a summer. Oh, okay. That's pretty quick, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I Took had to build a second longer. airplane uh, after that. Uh, so I picked up a Midwest Aerostar and a Canby 45 Sportster, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is an awful engine. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the Sportster, so yep, I agree. Uh, was quickly replaced by a Super Tiger Bullring 40. There you go. And that engine, well, it had over 100 gallons of fuel through it when I sold it. Wow. That's a lot of fuel. That is a lot of fuel. So what's wrong with the So like the I'm can? doing the math in my head, 100 gallons at even back then prices at 15 bucks a gallon. That's a lot of fuel. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a lot, a lot of fun. Time. It is, absolutely. So what was wrong with K&B? Like what's wrong with those that you guys didn't like them? Low horsepower, unreliable. Uh, the Sportster series was a plane bearing engine. Uh, it just was cantankerous. It would leak air through the plane bearings. Uh, just hard to tune. Not mm-hmm. a beginner's motor, which I definitely was at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that's mm-hmm. stuff like, for me, if I did want to get into collecting or doing anything with nitro motors, I would have no idea mm-hmm. because I've not dealt with them. Right. So you see all these different motors and stuff for sale on like eBay or Facebook classifieds and, and all that. I, I Half the time, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Yeah. Yeah, I I have to agree that the Sportsters, even the 60... Was it a sixty or sixty-one, whatever it was? Not a not a friendly engine to to play with for this for exactly what you're talking about. Just very very finicky on the needle settings. If you could get them to run at all, you're sucking air through the crankcase <clears throat> about fifty percent of the time. Yeah, so not a not a fun engine to learn. L- luckily for me, I, I've never owned one, so I own two. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to I've had to help people try to tune them before, but I've never owned them, and I won't. Now the the other KMBs, the forty eleven, I think is the model number. Uh, they're bearing ball bearing supported crankshaft forty size. That thing's a screamer. I, I had a KMB uh, boat motor. Mm. Oh yeah, motor. oh yeah. So you know, it's like uh, you know, just like 
anything else, you know, there's good ones and bad ones. Manufacturers make good and bad, so. And usually the more expensive, the better off it is. Generally speaking. Pay for ball bearings. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. That much I have heard. Although, I will say, the, the OS LA series of the motors. LAs are okay. They run pretty doggone good. That's what's on my yellow stick, and it, man, it runs really good. Don't you've, have to worry about them rusting. That's right. <laughs> you've run a lot of fuel through that. So. I have. Yeah, at least a couple gallons anyway. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So Mark Edwards, I'm familiar with the name. I'm having a hard time putting a face with it, but I'm sure he was around uh, whenever Mike, the guy who helped me, and I would go to uh, the field up there. And he Was he a pattern flyer by any chance? Uh, pattern, but uh, the big thing I remember with him is he was the first ducted fan jet I've ever saw. Ah, okay. Byron F-16 with the OS-91. Yep. Took the entire field to get it off the ground. Yep, I remember. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember the ducted fan era trying to fly them at nights. So in Taylorville, where I grew up, you know, we did a majority of our flying. They would let us use the airport. This is way, way back when, of course. But um, the ducted fan guys, they would delight in the fact that they could use that full 2,800 feet or whatever it was of runway. Because that's what it took. <laughs> yeah. well, we were flying <laughs> off of grass. Yeah. Yikes. Can't imagine. <laughs> Those things don't make, I mean, it sounds like they're making a lot of power. Oh, it's screaming. But they, they really didn't make a lot of power because they were pretty inefficient. I millimeter puts out way more than that yeah, thing did. Yeah, exactly. Because they, yeah, they weren't very, you couldn't, it's almost like, even though the engines were screaming, you just couldn't generate enough RPM to, the giant cheater to holes. produce the thrust. Yeah. And then the big, exactly the big holes on the bottoms of the fuselage so they could get enough air to move. Yeah, I remember those days. I'm glad those days are over. <laughs> <laughs> EDFs are way, way more efficient. New plug every flight. Yep, guaranteed. Or if you were really tricky, you had that cool in-flight adjustable needle, which sometimes oh, yeah. that helped too. But yeah, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. So you can set them super lean to get off the ground, then mm -hmm. rich them up so you don't explode. Yep. <laughs> wow, how the how the times have changed. Yeah. So you remember your first airplane. Do you remember your, I don't know, your 15th? 15th, I can tell you. Not a clue. <laughs> the reason I ask that is because we're talking about it earlier. It's like everybody remembers like their first one, maybe their first five, let's say. But then if you've been in the hobby for a long time and you've, you know, you've amassed a list like this of airplanes over the, over the course of the years, you tend to forget a lot of what's in the middle. And I just thought yeah, that Yeah, it might cool. be that Goldberg Electra I got on there. Oh, okay. All right. I've got a Goldberg Electra that I built... 88, 89. Oh, this is the one you still have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that might be close to one of the... Yeah, that's got, that's got me beat. The oldest airplane I have is that old contender. So I'm trying to think, like, I don't even remember the order that they come in. Like, I don't know how you can remember more than three. <laughs> like, I remember the first one just because of what it was, and I remember right. the second one because it was the one I wanted to buy first. Yeah. But... I just, I can't, like, I don't even remember what I got after that. Well, from like the era that we come from, you know, you... You, you spent so much time with them, building them. Exactly. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you, you're intimately familiar with the airplane itself because you more than likely built it or at least had some hand in building it with the person that's helping you. So, yeah, I remember my first, at least my first three. I think I got four or five this year. It was the, uh, it was the Piper Cub uh, followed by a Blue Max. I remember those. Followed by, I think it was one of the Red Box P-47, and then a Top Brighty flight? Vagabond. Which Vagabond? The Brighty? The Brighty. Yeah, okay. Yep. 
which was a pattern trainer of mm-hmm. some sort, very mm-hmm. similar to the Chaos. Kind of like a Chaos, yep. It had double tapered wing, though, which was really fun to build for a beginner. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you manage that? Because I don't know. It ended up fairly straight. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I, and after that, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, there was no YouTube back then to find out how to do things when you didn't Mm-mm. know nope. what was going on. And there was no internet to look it up either. You had to either read the instruction manual or go to your club meeting or whatever and bring it up at the with your buddies or at the field or whatever. Yeah, there was no social media back then. God, how times have changed. <laughs> yeah. I know the Blue Max had a horribly warped wing. It actually spent some time in the bathtub. Oh, okay, to, to wet it down so you could put some twist in it yep. or take twist out of it, yeah. I think it's that. My Is that the one that had the big end caps on the yep. wing? Yep. Big, super that. fat wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So how does that work? You just soak them to get them pliable, mm-hmm. and then and, and then, then you put a put a reverse twist in it, and then let it dry. Yeah, then... you over twist it going the other direction, and yep. hope you guessed right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. I prefer huh. that method myself than to do it with the covering. Because I know some people covering will, gets out in the sun, loosens up, and, it, and you're exactly, back to where you you're back to where you started. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of doing it the covering way, but I've never heard of the bathtub yeah. method. Covering works for really small warps. Yeah. I like the Goldberg, you're, uh, the electric. You're supposed to put washout in the wing, and that's the way they have you do it: is put Let a pencil under it and heat up the covering. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. But then, like you said, you get it out in the sun, and the covering gets soft. You've lost all of the work you put into it. Yeah. That's so. Learn something new. Yep. What else? Teach me. The Blue Mac. Who made the Blue Mac? I forget who made that. I don't know. It's an RCM uh, modeler plan. I know. I saw the plans show up not too long ago, and I thought about ordering them because I haven't had one for 30 years. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody kidded it, though. I remember that. Yeah, Um, and I don't know who the kid was. Mine was a crafter, maybe? Would have been about the right time timeline. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that was a good flying. It was like the predecessor to the, like the fun one. The one you oh, had, okay. it's, it's yeah. kind of similar design, kind of a shoulder wing, a really thick uh, airfoil. But these had a taper to it. They were swept. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. It so was. So that's not anything like. Well, it's kind of because the, the fun one has a swept leading edge. The trailing edge is straight. Right. But this one had, the wing was completely swept. That's front the front or the leading edge and the trailing edge. Yeah, I forgot about that. And just a square boxed fuselage. Pretty, pretty much a stick fuse. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Those good flying airplanes. They were great fun fly airplanes. Don't know how many times I destroyed that. Thing. <laughs> well, because they give you false <laughs> confidence, I think. Oh, this thing, look at this thick wing. I can go out here and try to do an inverted flat spin. Sure, no problem. And being new to it, I had the ailerons <laughs> cranked way up. Of course. Back in the day before we had dual rates. Yep, no such thing. Or I'm sure you didn't have the, uh, oh, what the heck is it called? My mind went blank. Expo? Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. such thing. No expo, expo back, then. back then was you changed. We've talked about this before. You changed where you mounted the uh, control horns on the wheel of the. Uh, output. Yeah, but that's differential. That's different. I'm talking about actual. Oh, okay, yeah. You're where it smooths about. out yep. the center of the sticks for you. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Straight four channel AM Conquest Futaba radio. <laughs> oh, you uh, old people! It's so fun talking to you guys. The memories. <laughs> I think I still have a four channel AM. Because the Electra still flies at. Yeah. You can fly by and you hear the servos grinding away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I still have a, an old FG. Remember the Futaba FGs, yeah. the, the gold cases? I still have a four channel of one of those. those cold in the winter. Yes, they were. <laughs> yes, they, they aluminum? Were. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the case was aluminum. So, yeah. You got rid of one of your FM setups, didn't you? Not that yeah, long that, ago. Was a, that was a, a newer uh, computer, uh, one of the first computerized radios but yeah the fg was same same kind of a thing no 
No dual raids, no expo, no programming of any kind. Off the back, off the radio, dip, uh, to do dip the switches reverses. for reversing. Yep. Did have reversing. That was a big selling point. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, you probably guess... never experienced that either. Yeah. You'd, you'd flip the transmitter over and you'd pop the battery cover off. And behind the battery cover, there would be dip switches, you know, just a two mm-hmm. position switch. And those were your reversing. That's how you reverse the channels. Well, say I think was it the DX4 was the very first one I ended up with with the Super Cub, and that it had that, but it was on the front, so oh, okay. you could still reverse. But okay, it was, I gotcha. yeah, it was <laughs> it was two point four gigahertz though, but mm-hmm. like half a football field of range. Yeah, Those yeah, not bad. not very far. No, yeah, six foot long antennas. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh yeah, I remember the old. RC car antennas that I had back on AM that were that long. <laughs> yeah. Never with planes, though. Did you ever... I know you started, Dave, you started a, a little bit later than I did. Um, but I had kind of a, a lull, if you will. Like, I started and, you know, I had my first airplane in... I forget now. 80, 81, whatever it was. Oh, shut up. Um, <laughs> but then there was, you know, a few years there where I, you know, was in school or whatever and didn't fly much. Um, after, oh, did you ever have to fly with uh, with the numbers clipped to oh, the yeah. antenna? Okay. And if it was breezy, they'd be flopping around with mm-hmm. the red antenna with the red flag at the tip. At the tip, yeah. Yeah, that was really annoying. Yeah. So my first radio had actual streamers on it that were two colors. Like it would be, you know, the top streamer would be white and the bottom would be orange. Remember those? Yeah. And that's how you could differentiate. You could just do a quick glance down the field, and if you had the colors memorized of the of the frequencies, you could tell who was on what frequency. I remember the old uh, Dubro tags to slip down with your numbers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, those were those were trick. That was the trick thing yeah. you would do to your transmitter. So you'd actually have numbers instead of those stupid colored streamers. Good time. See what you missed out I on, did. Ron? I, yeah, I missed on all that. That's <laughs> one of the pluses. <laughs> wow. In the hobby shop, I kind of guard my own channel. Yeah. Nobody yeah. around here at Channel 60. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I never remember thought of that. that yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. I was never quite... Eh, I guess I, I shouldn't say that. I, I guarded 78 for, for quite a while on the car side. <laughs> 78 and 84, I think, were the two that I... Uh, that I that were always my go-tos before we went to Spectrum. Anyway, I had the old synthesized. Yeah, you could change anywhere in the Spectrum. Yeah, I had that for a very brief period because I held out for so long because I was so fond of my old Futaba Magnum transmitters. We're talking about cars, but um, yeah, I had synthesized for maybe a season and then yeah, I was went still to flying, or, uh, still driving synthesized five years ago. Nice. Yeah, it's funny. I ran across a synthesized. Uh, Futaba transmitter module the other day down in my stuff. It's like, I don't remember owning a Futaba synthesized <laughs> transmitter, but okay, here's my module. I got a synthesized aircraft receiver, and I have no idea where it came from. Well, there you go. Find a transmitter for this module, and you'll be set. <laughs> I've still got my 8103 on channel 60. I have an 8103. Mine's, uh, mine's been converted, though. Or is it a 92 of whatever it is? I don't know. Still in the case. I haven't looked at it in a long time. And I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> See? See us old guys? So, Dave, what do you prefer? Do you like? We've talked about this before, uh, so obviously I think I get more out of the hobby by the tinkering and the building and the, you know, the tuning and all that. And Ron, I think he prefers more to do some of the flying than, than the tinkering. That is not correct. No? I think I'm, I'm going more over to the building side. Oh, yeah? Okay. It's, I get scared to fly stuff. <laughs> you do. We've talked about that it's before. True. It's just yeah. you put so much time into it that you don't want to see it. Go away. Yeah. You uh, did a great job with the Duelist, though. I mean, you yeah, seem to fly that thing like it's... Flown it like twice. 
Eh, it's been more than that. It's like it hasn't like been four out or five there. on it. Okay, in that one day, maybe. Yeah. But it's not been out since then. Well, we've been busy. I like how you go to that all the time. <laughs> well, we've been busy. No, we've been lazy. It's okay. Yeah. So what about you, Dave? Uh, I am a builder through and through. That was me. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, you get you get more out of the the building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's a little hard for me sometimes to get the field. Uh, I do have a disability and uh, dragging airplanes up and down the driveway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just much rather build. And some days I'm exhausted by the time I get the plane in the car. It's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, forget it. Yeah. So I don't have a disability and I feel your pain. Well, like I think we some all Some of do, the times honestly. it's like I, like I, sometimes I think the night before, well, I should probably charge this and get this ready. And by the time I have everything ready to go to put in the car the following morning, it's like, eh, maybe I'll just stay home and uh, tinker with this engine or, or whatever. So I know, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I like gluing stick A to stick B. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely um, the hands-on doing something with my hands. And um, I mean, I wish I was a better flyer. I really do. But I get, I'm like you. I, I, I tend to get more out of it. My the... skill set has really dropped off in the last few years. Um, I st- I feel a very competent flyer. I can fly pretty much anything. And I mm-hmm. have. Yep. Uh, but I'm just, I'm getting old. My reflexes have slowed down. <laughs> I'm flying quarter scale World War One stuff, you know, the which is hard roll rate. Hard, yeah, hard to to fly to begin with because they're more finicky. Well, there's, it's a different technique. Would, yeah, would different, you agree? Uh, yeah. You got to remember they're very draggy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you don't chop the throttle. No, you and wait. Definitely have to manage the the throttle with they're those not things. floaters. They're very like, much like a duck fin jet. Yeah, <laughs> you got to land with the throttle on. Mm-hmm. Well, and <laughs> you fly them with the rudder instead of the ailerons mostly. Yeah, uh, my triplane. I fly 99% of the time with a rudder. Well, actually find myself most of the time correcting with ailerons the opposite direction to keep it from overbanking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you've built over 100 airplanes. Yeah. Roughly. We don't need exact numbers. Because I couldn't give them to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is your... So you, you said you like building kits, obviously. What, what kit has been your favorite kit to go together? I tell you, anymore, I love building the Balsa USA kits. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. fits. Their instruction manuals are absolutely fabulous. There's enough thinking to make it interesting. But again, there's not so much thinking that you just get frustrated with it. Yeah. Uh, their aircraft always fly well, mm-hmm. even with me making stupid mistakes sometimes. <laughs> They're forgiving. They're very forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, I, lo- I love building uh, kits. Uh, my current favorite from them, and I've had it for many, many years, uh, it's my Fokker triplane, quarter scale. Mm-hmm. I would love to have something third scale, but I cannot store anything that big. Yeah. Um, but their quarter scale f- triplane is just a fabulous flying airplane. Um, and it's make, a pretty airplane, too. And Yours you is really like pretty. Good Everybody it, it thinks it's super hard to fly. Yeah. No. Really? No, they're hard to land. Uh, it can be a handful <laughs> and take once off. the wheels touch the ground. <laughs> yeah. And, I always heard they were hard to, yeah. hard to kind of fly and, and deal with. It is a high center of gravity. Mm-hmm. Like a van. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it so likes Dave the nose is, over quickly. Dave has handed the sticks over to me, you know, up several times and makes me look like a fool, of course. And I'm always, you know, reluctant to take the sticks of his airplanes because he does such a great job building them. And they're all so pretty. But, yeah, I've I've tried to fly some of your World War One stuff, and I, it just makes me look terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, once you get the takeoff and, and uh, rollout nailed, flying them is no big deal. Okay. 
That's interesting. That's good, yeah, to and remember no that. No tailwheel is also fun, especially in a crosswind. <laughs> yeah. So I just got a yeah. skid then, or just, just a skid. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you you do a little hop and blast a rudder, hop and blast a rudder. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what what kind of uh, wingspan does that have then? Quarter scale being roughly. Actually, because it's a triplane, uh, it's not that big. It's sixty ish. Okay. Yeah. But it's physically a big airplane. Yeah, it's like once scale. it's like yeah. once it's together, it's that's a it, lot of airplane. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's it's, I guess so. When you talk about your, you know, you like the biplanes and stuff, mm-hmm. but the wingspan is not really a good judge by size of airplane for a biplane, right? Because the wings actually not as wide on those. So. Right. Yeah. Not as much wingspan because you got two of them. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's and, twice the length. Well, with the triplane, you technically <laughs> have four. Well, that's true. There's a there's oh, another on the, plane on the landing gear. Yeah, in yeah. the middle. I forgot about that. Or airfoil, I should say. Not, plain. not as wide, but <laughs> hey, it lifts. It provides lift. So the Balsa USA, the triplane is is your favorite. So what would you say your least favorite is over the over the oh, last few you know, years? I have an Avios Grand Tundra, which oh, it's an electric. Okay, yeah, electric. me electric. Yep, um, and it flies fine, okay. but it's got issues. <laughs> it has a Dutch roll to it, which I had to fix by putting a uh, gyro in it. Oh. What's a Dutch roll? Dutch roll is where you kind of yaws and rolls at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, okay. Um, like the gyro did a lot to straighten that out. Yeah, like there's not enough vertical area or something. I you would think with that airplane it would have plenty. Yeah. It looks right. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it had a nasty Dutch roll to it. Uh, the other problem with it is, and I haven't fixed it yet, is the large Tundra tires that came with it. They're nice and squishy. They're Soft foam, like mm-hmm. memory foam, uh, but they are horribly out of balance. And if you do an extended takeoff roll, which this airplane doesn't need, by the way, but if you do an extended yeah. takeoff roll, you can literally see the wheels bouncing up and down in about a four-inch arc. Oh, wow. Whoa. Holy cow. Uh, I've actually, they've blown themselves off the rim. Mm-hmm. They're glued on. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Uh, <laughs> I've actually got a nut and bolt inside one of them to balance it. Uh, no I need kidding. to just replace those wheels with... A normal standard wheel that's yeah. uh, not annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it's not annoying. Yes. Uh, the airplane is capable of taking off in its own length. With full flaps and a six-cell setup, it'll jump off the ground in less than two foot. Yeah. I've seen <laughs> it. It does. But the extended rollout, oh, man, it's awful. awful. If you're trying to go for a scale takeoff, you really don't do that very well. No. Huh. Have uh, there? I was going to say, have there been any kits that you've tried to put together that have been so bad you just quit on? No, I've built everything I've ever started. That's impressive. Well, some are better than others, though, right? Uh, it's definitely something that comes with experience. There's some yeah. kits that if you were relatively new to it, you would never figure them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking back to the old Redbox top flight kits. Oh, man. Basically, the instruction manual for a P-47 was four pages, mm-hmm. no pictures. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Well, that's impressive, though, that you finished everything. I, I can't even say that. I, I can't say that because I currently have one that I haven't finished. Which one is well, that? Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will say my uh, 1905 Wright Flyer, and I'm not going to mention the manufacturer, the instructions leave a lot to be desired. Okay. Uh, I have an extra set of ribs. I don't know where they go. <laughs> really? <laughs> like a complete extra set? I have two spare upper ribs and have no clue where they go. Interesting. That is kind of funny. And of course, no no note in the in the manual that says, no, oh, no hey, notes, by the way. And these... of course, there's no plans either. Oh, Okay. Well, that's helpful. Really? That was the one you just got not that long ago, right? Yeah. Up at, I picked okay. it up at Brian's. Yeah, hmm. a dynamic balsa. Uh, that's good to know. 
so that I don't buy one of those, or if I buy one that. Well, but it looks great. I mean, it does. It actually does together and stuff. pretty well, but yeah. it's a head scratcher. Uh, even with the experience that I've got, it's a head scratcher. <laughs> well, that's good because I'll be honest. I was looking at that kit before you bought it, and I'm glad I didn't even ask about it. I like airplanes that are different. I mean, that's you don't see those very often. I'd never seen a, a kit like that before, mm-hmm. but I knew it was going to be a long time until I got to it. So yeah. I'm glad you got it and got it put together. Cause yeah, it's a beautiful looking airplane all yeah. put together. Mm-hmm. Well, and you've done a lot of extra stuff to it too, like you scratch build. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the pictures, it's really neat. Which that's part of building kits. You get to make them the way you want them. That's I've true. just never had leftover ribs. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, like I could understand if if it was a die cutting sheet, and you know they use like maybe the same, you know, the same die right. to print all the ribs, but you know maybe you get two sheets, but you only need four, or vice versa. Yeah, you, know you what don't I'm have extras that way. That way, yeah, I could see that. But these were just two. This is a laser cut. Random kit, laser and I got cut. Two leftover extra upper ribs. Interesting. Maybe they just packaged it wrong. It's laser cut sheet. They're all on the sheet. <laughs> oh. Uh, I have no clue. Yeah, I, I'm at a loss. So if that's a fairly new type of, or new kit then. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not I like think it was 80s a or 90s. 2006 kit or something oh. like that. I mean, it's not old. That's new enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think so. Well, I mean, it's laser cut, so it's fairly Yeah, new. that's kind of what I was thinking. Wow, that's impressive. Extra parts. I always end up with extra parts, but I usually, <laughs> I usually figure they're supposed to go somewhere. I usually end up with extra shear webs and things like that. Right. I always figure that somebody at the factory can't count. Well, that's what I'm actually hoping because I have four extra shear webs for the uh, uh, for, for the, the stick, stick that I'm building, and yeah. yeah, I look through everything and I think I did it right, but somebody else couldn't count. It could be. Yeah. I hope more than likely that's the case. Like they, you know, like maybe they're shrink wrapping because a lot of the times the shear webs will come like shrink wrapped. They whatever. were, yep. And you know, maybe their shrink wrap machine is only designed to do a certain capacity, and if you short it then it doesn't shrink wrap it correctly or something who knows and i'm really frugal when i cut those two so sometimes i figure i've just well yeah you're talking about cutting your own but like on the kit that uh, ron's working on there they were they were pre-made yeah but you still did you still have to trim them to get them to fit one so i must have done something wrong well i guess no i really couldn't do anything wrong because it's tabbed construction um one side of the wing i had to the other side of the wing i didn't have to Interesting. Which is weird. That is weird. So. Are this, uh, I almost hate to ask, are the panels the same length? <laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't measured. You know, I think I did that one time. <laughs> left out a rib. I didn't know. I know I didn't leave out a rib because like when. Well, the, the leading edges and trailing edges are notched for yeah, the ribs. So you. Well, they would have to be the same length. Well, you know, one day could have shrank or who knows. They could have ran it through a different die or. It'd be interesting no, to see if your panels are the same I'm, length. I'm I'm gonna say they were the same because when I did the the front spar that went across, it was notched. They were together in the box, and they were the exact same length because I actually looked at the oh, lines. Okay. I don't know if they use like a saw to cut that or how that works. I have no idea. You know what I'm talking about though, because yes. it's a square piece of tubing and then it's just cut angled <laughs> on it with a slot. Yes. Those all lined up just perfect. Oh. So it was okay. the exact same piece. Okay. So yeah, I'm gonna say I didn't do anything wrong on that one. All right, then. I could be wrong, though. No. Yeah, I know. Right, huh? So, Dave, what's your take? Uh, like this whole FAA drone thing and the FAA is getting involved in the hobby, what's your take on that? How do you feel about that? Oh, 
I, I think I'm going to take off uh, some of our quad flyers because I think they're the ones that have brought this upon us. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is not the... <laughs> <laughs> This is not the expressed on That's why I'm going for it. You can say that. No, it's okay. No, it's all right. Yeah. But you're among friends. Yeah. (laughs) I I think these people getting quadcopters, and they're so simple to fly. Anybody can fly them. Mm -hmm. And so people flying them over NFL games and getting in the way of aerial firefighting and things like that have caused the FAA to have to go, wait a second, guys. Yeah. And because it's very hard to separate drones. Mm hmm. Quadcopters uh, out from the model aircraft. Yeah, we're all just tossed in the same boat together. Yep. And unfortunately, like I hate to say it, but that kind of makes sense to do it that way because I don't know how else you would actually do it. I mean, it. I, I genuinely feel like the FAA, um, with with AMA's input and and the modelers' input, that we were allowed to to um, give to submit input. input yeah. Um, <clears throat> I feel like this is. This is just me personally. Uh, I agree with you 100%. This, like, if it weren't for drones, they would have left us alone. Yeah, we'd be fine. But okay, so this is where we're at. And I feel like, me personally, I, I feel like this is probably because it is so difficult to separate model, hobbyist, whatever you want to call it, flying, you know, scale airplanes from radio controlled drones. That's what they are. Um, because it is so difficult to separate them, I feel like we're at the best compromise probably that that we could get. Yeah, Even it, though I don't like it, I don't it's like as good the, as we're going to hope for. It yeah, time. I don't like the yeah. fact that the FAA is is involved and in, and in, you know telling us what we can and can't do. But in all honesty, the effects are are minimal. So far, so yeah, f- I right. agree. I, I really At this appreciate point. the FAA uh, letting me figure out how small I can write my information. <laughs> yeah. uh, I fly almost exclusively scale aircraft. Yeah. I don't want great big AMA numbers and address all over the airplane. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my aircraft are incredibly small writing on the hinge lines, mm-hmm. inside the hinges. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, on the bottom. You do what you, <laughs> yep. you got to do. I mean, it's on there, but... It, it's legal. You, don't. you might need a magnifying glass to read it, but hey, it's on there. Come to find out I can write really small. <laughs> nice. That's, that's a good yeah. thing to know. Well, good skill. Dave, kudos to you for at least following you know, the, the guidelines and stuff. There are no numbers. There are no names. There are no addresses on any of my airplanes, inside or outside. And that's a foul on me. It's mostly yeah. because I'm lazy, but... Um, kudos to you for at least uh, at least doing that. I won't say any, but most yeah. of mine don't. I yeah. went so far as to laminate my FAA card. Oh, nice. I did too. Oh, really? I did. Oh, I haven't even printed mine. And my trust certificate also. That I haven't done yet. I need to get that done. It's beyond simple. I know. You can't fail it. Oh, no, a, I mean you can't fail it. It's a typical it. federal test. You can't <laughs> yeah. fail it. Yeah. We just have to have proof you took this and passed. I'm not even sure where my trust certificate is. I know I printed it, but I can't remember where I put it. Mine's on my computer desk still because I haven't uh, moved it since I took it and printed it hmm. months ago. But to be fair. To be fair. Do you know how many people have asked me for it? Exactly zero. zero. Yeah, me too. And that's how many will ever ask you yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. That's It's unfortunate, but you know what? We play by the rules, don't we? Mostly. Yeah. Mr. I don't have my 
information on any aircraft. I know, I, and that that actually goes I'm lazy. That's not FAA. That goes back AMA. It does. Like, well, no, my AMA number is inside. Inside. It it can be inside. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be outside. Yeah, but it's it's the yeah the the my whatever that drone number is. Yeah, your FAA I, I don't number. put my AMA number inside the airplane anymore. I figure I got my FAA number on the airplane. Close. That's enough. probably enough to get mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I understand. Yeah. So what's your number, by the way? That's by what, the way, yeah, that's what prompted that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see, what did we come up with uh, earlier? It was 40-something flyable? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got us beat. Yeah. It's not fair. But you guys got me beat in the kit department. I've only got four kits. Well, see, what that says about you, though, is that you build you them. buy a kit to build, and you build it. And I'm lazy. I haven't, uh, haven't built a kit in a while. Yeah, be, to be fair, two of those kits I actually got in a trade, and I don't even want them. Uh, the GM Plastics Mooney Two Hundred One. I have no oh, interest in it. Mooney. What is what is that? So it's a low wing um, Cherokee like. Yeah, yeah, but the oh. Moonies are known for their uh, well, their great ride qualities. I used to fly one way back when. Um, oh, but, like full size real life. Mm-hmm. One? Okay. Yeah, I've got a few. I've got like fifteen hours, I think, in a two hundred one. Anyway, um, the tail is is uniquely shaped instead of. Instead of being sort of tapered to the aft, it's tapered forward. Yeah, it's swept forward. So it has a leaning forward trailing edges on the... Really? On the yeah. It's a unique looking airplane. Yeah. Why don't you want to build that? Civilian stuff doesn't do a whole lot for me. Mm-hmm. Not to say I don't do any civilian stuff, but the Mooney, just mm-hmm. no real interest in it. You're all like mm-hmm. World War One stuff. World War, I got everything up to and including F-15. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I fly from 1905 to Oh, you've got an F-23, don't you? It's a foamy. Oh, it's a 22. Okay. Or, yeah, 23. I'm thinking the YF-23. But, yeah, F-22. Yep. Now, I do have plans for a YF-23. Really? Yeah, in a foamy bark yeah. flyer setup situation. But hmm. haven't built one yet. Cool. Um, and then I've got that Circus Hobbies AT-6. Back when Circus Hobbies, out of Las Vegas, the <laughs> casino people. Yep. Same people. Used to make radios, too. Circus Hobbies, yep. Mm-hmm. Used to do radios and kits. Uh, this thing, quite frankly, is almost piece for piece the old top flight Texan. Really? Those are actually really valuable right yeah. now. At least the top flight Texans it's got are. A spun aluminum cowl in it. Really? That probably weighs five and a half pounds. Yeah, it's <laughs> a little heavy, probably, but uh, huh. it's a unique kit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just really not interested in doing a Texan anytime soon. Yeah. Plus, this thing is really old. Yeah. Mm. But all complete, though? It's a complete kit. It's never been molested at all. Nice. See, now, we're talking about going up to uh, Toledo. You should take some of your stuff up there and... I should. I really should. Yeah, the the, the booth, or booth, table. the table rent's really cheap. Yeah. Isn't it like $10 or $15 or something like that? Yeah, I didn't think it's very, Yeah, it's very reasonable, I think. Yeah, it's just Especially a, for the I number of people. I think yeah. three, 400 miles. Well, I, I get that. Yeah. We're going just to buy... <laughs> I mean, I've got the expedition, but oh, we could fit lots of stuff in that. Yeah, the, my new one's the short one. It's not the EL anymore. Yeah, you can still fit a fair amount of stuff in it. More than what we can fit in Tommy's car, and definitely more than what we can fit in mine. So, yeah, yeah. we just need to talk Reggie into taking the suburban. I, I hope don't he does. Pay to fuel the, ex- the suburban. Oh, they're not that bad. I used to have. Oh one. no, no, he'll 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 pay for it. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. This trip is on him, right? He doesn't know it yet. He but, doesn't right? know it yet, but. Reggie, this trip's on you. <laughs> and we appreciate we just that. Volunteered. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Actually, it's not a bad idea. You know, maybe we'll 
go in on a table because I don't really have that much stuff that I would want to get rid of, but I could probably sell a couple of kits. Yeah, but I to to pay for other. Is it assorted. worth? I mean, who's going to sit at the table? I don't want to sit there all day. Oh, I want to go true. around yeah, between all of us. So somebody we just rotate out. Yeah, that's true. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the AT six never never planning on building that. Okay, but yeah, the list of of stuff that's like ready to go is to me awesome, impressive. Yeah, compared to our dinky little lists. Which I, I'm I'm looking at the list here. I'm I think. With the exception of uh, a few of these, obviously, like the one you just finished, and I don't think I've seen, I don't think I've seen your GWS P51. Yeah, it's hanging on the curtain rod in my workroom there. But I mean, I've never seen it fly, I should uh, say. No, it's been years since I've flown it. It's got a, uh, originally it started out with a, uh, you know that motor mount he gave you earlier? Yes. I originally used that aluminum motor mount in there for a brushless motor which quickly burned up. So mm. I got digging around and I found a Speed 400 and a mm. gearbox. Oh, dear. So it's been converted to a Speed 400 and a gearbox. Nice. Huh. Oh, yeah, I have flown I that, that thing for years. Yeah, I, say, I bet that does pretty good with a, with a Speed. Uh, it'll, it'll rip it right out of your hand. Yeah. yeah now, this, go ahead. No, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, the Speed 400 motors are were basically, um, those weren't the Cobalt ones, right? No. This was the... Uh, so they were a four, like a 480 size can. Right. These were the Hobby Lobby 380. They're 380s. 380s. Okay. Yeah. Powerful. So and cheap. And cheap. Yeah. That's the best kind. Yeah. So going down your list, I see a lot of these uh, scratch built foamy airplanes. Um, they are gorgeous, by the way. Thank you've you. you've yeah. done a great job on all those. Talk us through how you do that and what goes into making something like that. So before I get into that, what for people that are listening, these are not like Dollar Tree foam board airplanes or anything like that. These are actually carved, uh, is that fan fold foam or whatever you want to call that, like the extruded foam um, that you somehow make uh, look like an airplane. In insulation, underlayment. Okay. Yeah. Now, these are not, to, to, to clarify further, yeah. these are not your profile flat pieces of foam, you know, such that from a distance it looks kind of like an airplane. These are actually three-dimensional, like Full fully fuselages. fuselage, yeah, with an airfoiled wing. So, yeah, take us through uh, the process. Actually, the airfoiled wing, they are flat plane wings. I taper the, the leading edge oh, okay. and so forth. Yeah. I was just thinking about the... flat. Yeah, I was thinking about my T-38. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that's a... And then I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, the the leading edge has been rounded. and But, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I started building these uh, 16 years ago. Um <laughs> I had my operation. I, I, I had my leg removed due to cancer. Um, and I had to have some something to do because I just mm -hmm. can't sit still. Yep. And uh, I had no money because I wasn't working, working for eight weeks. Um, so this was really cheap to do. Uh, I can buy a bundle of fan fold foam for $30, and that's enough foam to build 20, 30 airplanes. Oh I mean, God. it's ridiculous. Uh <laughs> So if any of you guys need any fan fold foam, come see me. <laughs> We've I've got, got a supplier. <laughs> yeah, I've, got a, I've got quite a bit still. Um, and I love the F-15 Eagle. Mm -hmm. And I found a set of plans uh, for a park flyer pusher, uh, F-15 on the internet. Mm -hmm. Downloaded it, printed it on my uh, 8.5 by 11, 
and used a lot of scotch tape. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the first couple I built, I actually transferred the patterns onto a poster board and used that to make the patterns. Since then, I've discovered repositional spray glue. So mm-hmm. now oh. I don't even bother with the poster board. I just print my plans and glue them to the foam. Glue them right to the foam, yeah. And then they just peel right off. Um, and started dealing with those. I built one for myself, and I built one for Tommy at the same time, the F-15. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a little leery of it when I went to first fly it, and it flew right out of my hand, making a hard left turn, <laughs> which I found is due to the gear-driven propeller that yeah. it uses. Just uh, all the torque? All the torque, all the torque. turns yeah. it to the left. It goes up and to the left real hard every launch, but it's reliable. You know it's mm-hmm. going to do it. Yeah. And really enjoyed that one. Uh, so I went and downloaded some more plans. Um, next one after that was, uh, what did I do? I, I guess it was the F4 Phantoms, uh, which I no longer have an F4. Tommy still has his. Though I Mine love, flies so nice. I love that plane. I do too. That's gorgeous. It flies so good. And it looks so awesome. And Because, well, I mean, it looks like an F4. It does. I yeah, mean, you get the these things 20 foot out. And yeah. They look Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And, and even though it's a pusher, you know, it has the the prop in the back, and even though it's, they well, because you went to to a brushless outrunner as opposed to the to the to the gear driven one, the prop spins so fast it just disappears. You don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I paint and the, the motors to match. Yeah, and they oh man, and and the thing is, <laughs> the funny you say you don't have yours anymore, you build them exactly the same. In fact, you may even have built them at the same time. Yours and mine were built exactly at the same time. I did not build a Tommy's plane and Dave's plane. The parts were interchanged as I was building them. Mm-hmm. The only difference came uh, when it was time to decal because your decals are different yep. than mine. mine. My markings Other are different. Other than that, I built them exactly the same yep. at the same time. Same motors, same uh, speed controllers, same servos even. Everything same location for all of that gear, and they flew completely different. Yeah. Mine was <laughs> Like a yours was a POS, and mine was mine is awesome. And the same thing now goes with the MIGs. You both, you have a MIG-21, and I've yep. got a MIG-20. Once again, built exactly at the same time. Mm-hmm. I love my MIG-21. Yeah, I like flying mine, too. I don't think mine flies quite as good as yours. No, I think mine flies just slightly better. Yeah, but it's still, I but mean, they are different. for what they're made of, to, uh, to, to, yeah. to fan fold foam. And so, and they're not, you know, they're not just blue. Like Dave goes through the process, he paints them, puts the camouflage on them. Uh, we, we put the, you know, the markings on them. And... Exactly. You get you get this thing twenty to fifty feet away in the air, and they look like the real airplane, and they're so much fun to fly. Yeah, and they're low cost. Yeah. I don't think I have a hundred dollars in any of them. Yeah, <laughs> very low stress. So that's all carved. Then what do you use to carve it? Uh, believe it or not, they are not carved. Oh, uh, this is one of the few hobbies that being a little on the pudgy side comes in handy. <laughs> you can actually roll. Just like uh, you would roll a tubing in a tubing bender. Yeah. I do the same thing with a piece of PVC pipe and my fat belly. <laughs> and you can literally you, you can, can just curl it right around. around. You can induce a bend into the foam. Yeah, and That's you can taper awesome. that bend if you get, you know, if I eat the right lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and then what? you can hold that that in shape because there is some structure on the inside yeah, of some of them. Yeah, they've got formers, and yeah. the formers then lock everything in place. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. I've yeah. never seen the inside of there one. There is a little carving, the nose cones and so forth. Uh, those are slabs put together and then shaped. But uh, for the most yeah. part, the fuselages are either slabs or uh, rolled. Mm-hmm. And then what, like, is that quarter inch or what thickness? Uh, it's roughly quarter inch. I think it's the metric equivalent of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is, I think, six millimeters. But he does carve the pilots. 
Not well. <laughs> Mine looks uh, like a penguin. So does mine. <laughs> uh, I, switched, I went s- six millimeter RC, I think. He used to have the vacuum form pilots, and I bought a bunch of those. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, the, the pilots really. Mine still have the awesome pilots. I've still, them, got, so. I've still got a penguin in there. I have 15. <laughs> looks like a penguin. Wow. Oh, I kid, because well, it, it really looks it awesome. Does. It looks like a penguin, but <laughs> that distance. But yeah, when it's, when it's you know, whizzing by it. At a whopping forty mile an hour, you know, is that a that, penguin flying? That thing? silhouette looks like a fighter pilot with the with the hose on the on the helmet and everything. Yeah, it's cool looking. You shouldn't that have painted them black and white though. They yeah, probably should. Have. <laughs> I can carve a block of balsa into pretty much anything except for a human figure. Except a human figure. Well, that's, <laughs> that's so difficult. That's why. I mean, uh, it's geez. hard to do people well. I wouldn't even attempt it myself. Well, me neither. I'm just well. I'm just not that talented. So I'm not that patient. Well, there's that. Now I scratch built a Wright Brothers engine, and I think it looks pretty good. I think it looks fantastic with the pictures. Can't do a simple twelve scale bust. <laughs> well, well, that. just have Ron three D. Oh, that reminds me. Speaking, oh. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to talk about three D printing. I saw somebody on. I think it was probably one of the, the groups I follow on Facebook, they had 3D printed, and I'm, I don't know how they did it, but it's foam somehow, 3D carved maybe, I don't know. But it was a silhouette of themselves, And then they painted it, you know, to make it look like, so it was actually them, you know, the the individual in their airplane, mm-hmm. which I thought was really yeah, I've seen that done really with the profile, cool. but I've never seen the full. No, this was a full 3D print. with the, the guy had like a ball cap on, and he painted or had somebody paint it to make it look like him. And it, it was awesome because it was him in his airplane. Yeah, I, I would like to do neat. that, but the scanning part is what's difficult. Oh, okay. Like, And it's been a while since I looked at it. It used to be very expensive or very do-it-yourself to get a good scanner mm. for scanning any 3D. object. So, oh, I see. Yeah. They used to use like, uh, oh shoot, what was it? The Microsoft Connect. I don't know. You remember the thing that used to, like if you had a micro, or a, oh, well, yeah, what was that, Xbox, Xbox or something? Yeah. Okay. They used to use those and somehow. actually somehow use the sonar or ultras, whatever was on that to kind of scan it in with whatever's on there. <laughs> but I didn't want to spend the money on one of those back then. And I haven't looked into it to see what yeah. is out there now. But yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah. I just, I don't know, sorry, the we're talking about the, the you said 12-scale bust, and then I thought, oh, bust of my, oh, wait, this 3D, man, yeah. that's how my mind works. I'd, I'd print a sorry. small picture, or not a picture, a small <clears throat> bust of me just for you to hang in your bedroom. Yeah. I think that would be worthwhile. Yeah, I think so. Sure, <laughs> do it. Uh, so I'm, I'm still looking at, at Dave's ready-to-fly list. I've seen almost all of these fly, except for, yeah, I've not, I don't think I've seen that P-51. I think I've seen all the the park flyers, the vampire I've seen. Obviously, the right flyers new, so we hadn't hasn't anybody seen that one fly yet. Do do do. Eindecker, yeah, oh, I've the, seen that one. That's he's got the Hangar Nine T thirty four. He does. Yeah, I've seen it fly. It's gray, hard that's to see. That's the same one. Same one as you had, though, right? It, it it's exactly the same. His is Just gray and mine's color. yellow. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, mine has flaps, and his has flaps. Hmm. Why didn't you do that? It was built when I got it. So was mine. Oh, and you added the map? It was that old airplane. It was given to me. Okay, so I'm a slacker. That's why mine doesn't have flaps. <laughs> I got the gumption one day to run the ban- uh, run the wing through a bandsaw and cut it in half. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah that was hard to do. I'm sure. Like, okay, here we go. <laughs> so then when you, when you went to rejoin, or did you rejoin him? 
I mean, obviously you rejoined it, but did you go with a two? I can't remember. You didn't do a two piece. No, one. it's back to one piece. It was the epoxy and fiberglass back together. In the oh, okay, so you didn't put a dihedral brace back in. No. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Real yeah. good epoxy job and mm-hmm. fiberglass cloth. Yep, and that's enough. I mean, let's it's be honest. Yeah, that's plenty. Those aren't that big. Flaps made a huge difference. It lands so much better now. Yeah, well, that's the that's the only complaint really I I ever had with the with the yellow one is that it, it ate up so much runway, especially on landing because you just yeah. wouldn't slow down. Mine now it takes way more to take off than it does. I went with scale three blade prop and the three blade kill yeah, take off. Mine has the three blade on it too. What motor do you have on yours? Super Tiger forty five. Yeah, see, Tommy's got that cheap old uh, evolution. You know. I, I'm not a fan. Here we go. Of evolution oh, here we engines, go. I've never heard of a, of but a good I have, evolution, but I've this one. never seen an evolution run as good as the one that's on my T34. You get a good one, you got a great one. Yeah. If you got a bad one, you got a bad one. Yeah. And I bet it's been so long since that engine has been ran. I bet it's probably the bearings are probably shot by now, I'm sure. I haven't seen that thing fly for two or three it's, years at well, least. It's been, oh, it's at been at more than that, that, actually. Well, I'm actually I'm afraid to fly it now because the, the canopy is brittle. You know, that plastic, you know. Mine's it, yellowed quite a bit. It's yellow, but now mine is very brittle. Like, you, it's like you touch it and you can just see the, you know, the spider webs, spider web cracks. Uh, and and that's unfortunate. I, I really, we, we had talked about, Ron yeah, and I had did. talked about making a making a plug and maybe vacuum forming our own. One day. And I would still like to do that. But One day. But we mine, have to make a vacuum form machine first. Yeah, I know. Anyway. Huh. I, I, I bet We've we been, could sell a few of them. I bet there's lots of folks out there. Well, maybe not lots. I've been lazy. That's I know somebody's see? got a vacuum cleaning form machine about 120 miles away from here. Yeah. I know. I want yeah. one in my garage, though. Well, Ron has one. I a have small one. one. It's wow. really small for pulling those canopies for those park flyers. Oh, really? I, it uses my shop vac and my wife's oven when she's not around. <laughs> yeah. That's what we or what yeah, Ron has. I've got one. I've never put it together. But I've got well, one. Well, but I mean, it's the same principle. Yeah. Hook up a shop vac and use the, the I, oven to... See, I made one of those a while ago on on my CNC machine. I don't like saying that for some reason, but I did. Um, okay. It it worked okay, but it was just so... Like, I need a, a vacuum that sucks more, I think, is the hmm. problem. Okay. So you need to pull more vacuum. Pull the filters off your shop vac? I didn't have... I, I did. Like, that one didn't have it. I just hmm. might not have had a good vacuum. I don't know. It could be. And maybe I had some air Maybe leaks you need a Dyson. Too. Some of us those can't things never them. lose suction, according to Dyson. Well, I'm just saying. Some of us don't have two of them. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Rich. People. Really? You got to go there? What? That wasn't my call. You brought it up, though. So, yeah, I feel just fine. Yeah, reluctantly, we have two of them. I didn't. We have an upstairs one and a downstairs one. It's so nice. <laughs> Sorry. You're such a so, jerk. Go, going through your list, one of the the, the things I actually love uh, watching you fly, I've seen it a couple times, is your parafoil. Like that's not, I like, once again, so I like unusual. things that are so yeah. unusual that you don't see all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, parafoil is great to fly. It's a pain to get going though. Pain in the butt I, to get airborne. I watched Reggie try and do it and he actually crashed. I don't know how you do that, but... I crash was, I, without I cannot, actually flying. Yeah. Yeah. Missing a leg, I cannot launch it myself because you have to take two steps with it. It's just the mechanics of getting the airfoil up. Over yeah, you, yeah, get I it just inflated. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. No one else seems to be able to do it on a regular basis. I've got people that can do it, but not consistently. Yeah. So once we do get it airborne, it's a wonderful flying aircraft. It has to be pretty calm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to put some nav lights and so forth on it so we can mm-hmm. fly it to well into the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll cruise around for hours, it seems like, on that <laughs> battery that's in it. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it's a lot of fun to fly if you can get past the launch stage. Yeah. yeah. Once it's launched, it's pretty simple. Yeah. And landing is easier. <laughs> uh, you just chop the throttle and do nothing. <laughs> that, But like I said, though, that is just such a neat looking airplane. Well, not airplane. Neat looking a- aircraft or aircraft. Aircraft. Yeah. Um, I like, like I said, I like different. It's just, it's so cool to see it. It's very relaxing there. to fly. Yeah. Uh, it and my, uh, my little Eagle, same thing. You get it airborne and it'll just cruise around so gentle and easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, up at Streeter last fall, the evening was calm. I literally set it up on glide approach, chopped the throttle, put the transmitter on the ground. Nice. <laughs> and it Hey just, guys, watch this. And it just cruised in and gently touched down. That's All awesome. I didn't know you had two D7s. I mean, I knew you had the big one. I've got the big Balsa USA quarter D7, and then I've got a, uh, I bought it Toledo many, many, many years ago, uh, Hobby Barn. Uh, it's 40 size. It's got a 65 uh, ASP four-stroke in it. <laughs> Mine actually, once it chewed up the lifters on the second flight, it's been a great motor. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, they didn't harden the lifters. They were uh-huh. soft. And uh, it chewed them up, and of course, all that metal went through the engine, mm-hmm. tore up the ring, tore up the uh, bearings. So basically, I had to rebuild a brand new motor. They weren't warranted, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. But after that, the only problem I've had with it is the plastic throttle arm is busted off. So I think it's mm-hmm. JB welded on now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it flies great. I don't know if I've ever what what color is that one? It's red. It's like Rest all oil. the other ones. Yeah. Huh. I don't know if I've seen that one. Yeah, you probably haven't. I have flown it for okay. a few years. Yeah, of course the the P forty I've I've not seen it fly, but I've seen it at least. It's made a twenty foot flight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the Corsair, <laughs> the FMS Corsair. I don't think I've seen that one fly. Uh, that's a new one from last year. Okay. Uh, currently, it's down because Fred broke the uh, tailwheel off of it. In <laughs> Fred. Fred is Fred, a dog, by uh, the way. Yeah. yeah. Make sure. Yeah. Make, he, let uh, people know that. my lap while I was putting it together and uh, side loaded the tail wheel assembly. Oops. Snap. So it's flyable, but there's no tail wheel, so I yeah. need to get that fixed. Mm-hmm. So the Midwest Aerostar, that's not your original one, is it? That is not my original. Oh, okay. Uh, that one I bought for the uh, son-in-law t- or son-in-law uh, grandson to uh, uh, learn on, mm-hmm. and uh, he learned on that, and then. Uh, it's been sitting in the garage all that time. Yep. <laughs> but it's a great flying airplane. And the the Dancing Wings Eagle. I don't think I've Yeah, that's an Eagle I just talked about. Uh, oh, okay. I got it last summer as well. Okay, cuz you got you've got a Park Flyer Eagle too. That's the one I thought you were talking about. No, this, oh no, you're talking about the Eagle. It's eagle, actually eagle. an Eagle. Like a the bird. Eagle. Oh. No, like the bird. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot all about that one. Yeah, it chased uh it chased the uh turkey buzzards off the field. <laughs> They weren't real fond of it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I've not seen that one. I forgot all about that one. Uh, it's a great flying airplane. It's a cheapie. It's $90 uh, from Grayson Hobby with huh. all electronics, and you can build it in an evening. Wow. That's actually You have a Eagle. P-47 started? I didn't know you started it. Uh, it came pre-started. Oh, okay. Yeah. That gotcha. was... <laughs> well, that's allowable. Well, yeah, yeah you, you still have a kit. It doesn't like that count too. against you because it's not you all didn't in the box. start it. I have a wing and a partial fuselage, mm-hmm. and the rest of it's in a box, which I don't know if I'll ever build it. But yeah. yeah, it's one of those trading things. Yeah, and it's a red box. 
And it's red box. Yeah. Now, if it was like the gold edition kit, those actually you can you can actually build one of those in a reasonable amount of time. But the red box kits, they are very very labor intensive. And the four page instructions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is my second yeah. one though, so it should go faster. Yeah. It yeah. might be missing a canopy. I'd have to go through the box. It might be missing a canopy. Yeah. So you and I, like over the years, we've been to to trade shows and you know the Chicago. You know the the I forget what it was called at the at the very Chicago end. Chicago Model Hobby and Expo. Yeah, but like at the very end, it was called something else like Urcha or whatever. Anyway, um, like over the years, we've noticed a, a significant uh, decline in the turnout and the representation of the manufacturers. What what would you attribute that to? Like, I mean, I have my own like thoughts on that, but I'd be interested to know what you think. Well, a lot of it I think has to do with the internet. Yeah. For local hobby shops, because they just can't compete yeah. stock-wise. Uh, you know, right now, I'd be just happy to have a place that stock glue. Yeah, right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I ran across this, the lack of builders. There's just, there's yeah. builders out there, there's, but it's all ARF. It's not I've dead. got nothing against ARFs. Right, I don't either. Not really. Uh, but my brother was looking for a sanding block the other day. Cannot find a sanding block. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressively sad. Yeah. Unless he wants to spend, you know, five thousand dollars on a Great Plains contoured sanding, you know, uh, bar on eBay, which that's, that's all dinged up. Yeah, that's that's another conversation. But uh, no, I I feel I feel uh, similar. Like uh, you know, the advent of the internet and online shopping, and you know the the proliferation of of Chinese made um, goods into the you know into the marketplace. It's it's hard for hobby shops to keep up. Um, and to make money because the margins were slim. You remember how slim they You're were anyway. You're not going to ri- get rich right off yeah. the shop. And, uh, you know, so manufacturers are reluctant to to spend the extra money to display their wares at, uh, at you know, at expos and things like that. So, that yeah, the general decline, I think, in, in that sort of activity in the hobby, I can, I can certainly agree that uh, the Internet sort of ushered that. That's great. I can get all kinds of weird stuff (laughs) very easily. Yeah. But I can't just go to my local hobby shop and pick up uh, wheel collars. I need wheel collars right now. I don't have any. Yeah. Well, and that's that's another, I mean, that's another uh, part of the hobby that I feel like that, uh, you know, is suffering. You know, the, what we talked about earlier, you know, at one time we had three hobby shops here just in, just in our little town. Uh, and big places like St. Louis, Chicago, you know, they just had hobby shop on every corner, it seemed like. But, you know, thanks to, you know, thanks to the Internet and the ease of uh, shopping online and and the, you know, how a manufacturer can now have something made overseas and at a really, you know, inexpensive where labor is not very expensive. And then uh, and then, you know, so I agree. It, it, it started, I think, with the Internet and then, you know, when when when. When Chinese kind of entered the marketplace, I think uh, that was sort of the the demise of the local brick and mortar hobby shop and the shows that went along with them. See, my problem though, like you can buy cheap stuff online. I would have no problem paying a little bit more for that cheap stuff if it was in a hobby shop. Like, why wouldn't? What is wrong with carrying a lesser brand in a hobby shop alongside your good stuff? Because some people want the expensive stuff that they trust and all this kind of stuff. Depending on what you're flying, I yeah. don't mind the two dollar servos. Well, and I think I think you'll you'll see a shift. Like so, let's let's take 
uh, Dynamic Balsa, for example. You know, it's owned by uh, Brian. Mm -hmm. And Brian's been in the hobby, you know, it's, it's well documented. On, you know, we interviewed him and he's been in, in a, you know, various parts of the hobby for many, many years. And he's, he's sort of what I would call, you know, old school. He's holding on like I am and like most of us are holding on to those old, you know, values. We want, you know, we want top brand, you know, we want top flight this or Great Plains that or Hobbyco this or whatever. And if it doesn't say dynamite on it or uh, whatever, Great Plains, then it must not be good. I think you're going to see a shift like in the next few years, like hobby shops are going to start, I think, doing exactly what you're talking about. They're going to be like, okay, well, we can't get batteries um, in a cost-effective manner such that we can make money anymore from this supplier here in the U.S., but we can get them from here. And they seem to be almost as good a quality, but the, you know, the price difference more than makes up for the little bit of lack of quality. So we'll start stocking these, and then eventually stuff that wasn't name brand is now going to be, you know, name brand. I, I see what you're saying, but my, like to quote a, an old song, that don't impress me much. Like name brand stuff has never really been a big thing to me. When I was doing car, like, okay, so my neighbor and I, we used to have a track set up here. We used to run uh, Rustlers. He had the tracks set up, the Valenian, whatever, I don't whatever. Um, brushless setup on his car. I had the cheap, I don't even know what the brand was. It was some off brand kind of thing. Um, we like, there was no difference in how fast our cars were. He didn't out pull me. I didn't out pull him. It was set up really close to being the same. It was more expensive for him to replace the bearings in his motor than it was for me to buy a whole new motor. Mm -hmm. So I would just keep a spare motor or two on. Mm -hmm. And if something happened, then I have a new motor, throw it on in five minutes, and you're back out racing. Right. He would have, I mean, if something happened to his when the bearings went out, you're done for the day. Yeah. And but, it happened just as often to him as it did to me. So it's not like there was a quality difference on that either. So yeah. I don't, name brand doesn't impress me as long as what so I have works. branding within the hobby industry as well. Oh, that's true. Uh, I have a charger that I bought from a Chinese over importer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen the same exact charger in yeah. a different paint scheme with different stickers on it at least five different times. Oh yeah, for much more money than I paid yeah. for. It. Yeah, yeah, and and the electronics in that charger probably came from, if not the same, a very similar production line that the electronics that go to in, that went into a name brand charger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but what I think what I'm getting at is like my generation or or generations of my age or older. You know, we, we tend to not trust this or that because it doesn't have this or that name on it. Whereas maybe your generation or, or younger, maybe they don't, they don't have that association because they haven't been around. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Great Plains isn't a well-known name among maybe your generation. Whereas Dave and I, somebody says Great Plains, we go right immediately to, you know, Memories we have of, of flying Great Plains airplanes or buying Great Plains hardware or whatever, you know, because Great Plains was like for the longest time when you'd open up a magazine, it was Great Plains this, Great Plains that, Top Flight this, Top Flight, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I understand. So there's it was that branding. association, I think. But what I, so what I'm saying is like as time goes on, you know, the, the older generation 
I don't want to say we die off, but we get out of the hobby or whatever, and it's not as important to us anymore. Whereas the new generation coming in, they don't have that name association with those brands. And it doesn't even have to be a brand, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. that's – so I think you're going to start seeing, bottom line, I think brick-and-mortar hobby shops are going to adapt. Well, I hope so. You know what I'm I mean, saying? like I – I think that's one of the things that could have been done to maybe keep one local here. Because like I said, I would have no problem paying a little bit extra to a local guy that would stock it. And if I need five servos, I can run in and just pick it up that day. Right. I have no problem doing that. But I'm not – if I can get the same quality of servo online for a fifth of the price as I can going to a hobby shop, I can't afford to do it that way and spend the extra 100 bucks on servos when – I have no noticeable difference and there's, you know, it's, there's nothing in it extra for me. Yeah. That's, I don't know. That's how I look at it. Yeah. So okay. one, one more thing I wanted to ask Dave. <laughs> so Ron and I have talked about, you know, here and there on the podcast about things that have like influenced us and, you know, Ron has his stories and I have mine. Like what sort of things influenced you like an hobby? Like I remember, you know, as a you know kid, seeing names like you know Phil Kraft and uh, Doc Matthews and and you know all these other guys that were like really really influential as far as like aircraft design and things like that. And there's, so every time I saw that name pop up, it would like grab my attention and I would read it. Right. So did did you have any influences no, like that? Not really. Not really. Um, well, I was working in a hobby shop for seventeen years and seeing things come and go mm-hmm. and seeing other people having experience with something that's like, oh, maybe I'll avoid that. Mm-hmm. Or that looks a lot of fun and it's working out. So we'll try that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was self-taught heli. No one around here was flying helicopters when I taught myself. Nice. Right? Yeah. You know, it cost me a few set of rotor blades. But <laughs> right. After that, I got to the point where I could fly around fairly reasonably and not crash. Yeah. Um, so pretty much it's just, I really haven't had that many influences. Yeah, It's neat that the hobby is so small. Back in the day, you know, going to the hobby trade shows and stuff, meeting all these big names in the industry mm-hmm. and going to dinner with them. The, you yeah. know, you know, they're big shots, and, yeah. but they're not. Right. Yeah. yeah. To anybody that doesn't know what an RC airplane is, they're just the guy yeah. next door. Right. To those yeah. of us that do, it's like, yeah, wow. Yeah, most of those, most of those, uh, uh, people who were responsible for the direction of RC were just regular guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a passion for model airplanes and they did everything they could and used the skills that they had to to guide them. And, but they were just, bottom line, they were just regular guys and gals doing well, stuff they loved doing. Some of these big names in the hobby industry are being ran out of a guy's apartment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a major uh, re- retractable landing gear company here uh, not too far from us. And his entire facility is in his apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Well, Phil Kraft, I mean, kind of the, I mean, if, for lack of a better word, the godfather of digital proportional radios. He had help, of course, but, you know, he ran his complete operation for the first few years out of his garage. Produced, who knows, untold numbers of radios right out of that one car garage. It's crazy. Yeah. That's so. cool. Um, one more thing I wanted to bring up. Okay. Uh, Dave actually had a correction for us from the stick episode last time or the time before, whatever, Okay. about the crosses that were on there. Oh, yes. All right. So your uh, crosses that are on your uh, big stick, ugly stick, dot yes. stick, mm-hmm. stick. Stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
those go back to the uh, because that uh, is a very stand way the bleep off scale. Right. Uh, Eindecker. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the Eindecker was a German mm-hmm. pre so tail shape. Yeah, yeah. And the markings. I'll be darn. Okay, so there you go. See a very, very, very standoff scale model <laughs> of an Eindecker, which was, of course, a German warplane way back pre. I mean, like early sixteen seventy. Early, yeah. Wow, crazy. That is, and way that early. was the mar- those were the markings around. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, appreciate it. See, call us out when we're wrong. I yeah. like it. Yeah, definitely. I figured it was something German though, Usually, because of the yeah, Das Ugly Stick being the first name. <laughs> I mean, yes. if that was the first thing it was called, then that had to have something to do right. with Germany. Yeah. So, some one last thing from me, and mm-hmm. then I'm not going to talk anymore. I promise. Cool. Um, you bought, or you are in the process of. Um, getting ready to use a magnetic building board. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a new venture for myself. Yeah. Uh, all these hundreds of airplanes I've built in the past uh, have all been built on foam mm-hmm. and pens. Yep. Very comfortable with the pen and foam. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cat decided it likes shredding my building boards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and foam isn't cheap anymore. No, it's especially not. Especially the crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I've got really tired of replacing that, uh, and I just happened to be cruising the internet and saw this thing about building with magnets, and I know, and I know from years the EJ Lynn magic building board yep. thing that they I used to that. sell. Um, so I took and uh, bought a bunch of magnets on M- e- uh, eBay, Amazon, Amazon, mm-hmm. um, and I downloaded the uh, diagram for the uh, fixtures and cut a bunch of these fixtures uh, with a scroll saw, uh, which I probably should have came and saw. Ron and his laser cutter. Yes. That would have been a lot easier. It would mm-hmm. have saved me an afternoon of making sawdust, but that's all right. Yep. That's what this hobby's all about. Exactly. Um, and so I have all my fixtures. I've got them all polyurethane. They're pretty furniture grade looking things. Nice. Which I don't know why. <laughs> because they're going to get because covered in glue can, and paint. Because you can. Because, yeah. I've got my, uh, my 22 gauge sheet metal laid out on my table. Uh, so we're ready to use this, but I got to find something simple to start this with. Yeah. I don't want to start with my uh, quarter scale Balsa USA uh, camel. So I'm <laughs> no. going to have to find a quick, simple, easy project to try these out on. Yeah, something something simple and boxy. I will be interested to see how that me turns too. out. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm I'm reluctant to change myself, but uh, if it's, it's a big change, yeah, it's a huge change. I mean, like you said, for years and I, I years and years. I didn't throw my pens away. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Well, well, I've got an extra sheet of foam out in the shop if you want to take something home with you. Oh, that, there you go. That'll be your parting gift. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that I won't need. But we'll I'll bet you never know. All right. Um, you, really quick, do you have uh, an Adjusto jig? I do have an Adjusto jig. See, there's another one. Yeah. Do you it's use it? It's been used twice, and it's in the uh, rafters of my garage. Oh. Yeah. Anyone oh. Uh, wants to borrow one, they can do it. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to hang on to it for the next double taper wing. Mm. Yes. Yep. See, they are good, good tools. Definitely good for that, yeah. Yeah. And they're good at building fuselages too. We built our dualist fuselage. Dualist fuselages. I've built three wings on them. And you did. One you built three wings for one airplane on yours. <laughs> Flat bottom World War One stuff's pretty easy to build on the table. Yeah, I would but, think so. Uh, yeah, the next double taper. That's where they come in. Cool. Nice. Okay. Well, right. is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here, Dave? Uh, just thanks for having me, guys. No uh, problem. Dave, th- yeah. Thanks for agreeing to uh, to have us uh, uh, give you the. 
Third degree? Third degree. I was going to say fifth, and then in my head, That's I was like, fifth right. degree is not right. So, no. But yeah, I enjoyed having you. Thanks for thanks for doing that. Yeah, was, yeah memory uh, lane here, making Ron feel really <laughs> young childish. And childish? No, I That's just... That's because he is. I tuned out a couple times. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, thanks, Dave. Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Good night. Good night, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.